today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantan. Praiseworthy women don't rest in who they are, but in Christ. In Christ, ladies, you have a new identity. If you have repented and believed in Jesus, or if you will do that today, God doesn't see you through the lens of failure, of the piles of dirty dishes, or your private sins. God sees you through the lens of his son. He sees you as an adopted daughter, according to Galatians. God rejoices over you and delights in you. Open God, oh my soul. Have you ever struggled with not feeling accepted? As Pastor Ricky continues his teaching series through Proverbs, he'll be encouraging the women of the church to always remember that they are accepted in the beloved. As a Christian, your old nature has passed away and the Lord has made you into a new creation. You can have confidence that God loves you and is continuously at work in and through your life. God is faithful to complete the work he's begun in you. Now, here's Pastor Ricky with part two of his message, Radical Womanhood. We don't like for God to get out of like the spirituality kind of box of our life and try to take over other boxes. When God says, hey, listen, I have a Bible and I'd like to tell you who to date, right? And you're like, or not, you could just stay over there. This is my personal life and you're my spiritual life. And you're like, well, I have some comments about that though. And, or he says, listen, I have some ideas about how to spend your money, you know? And you're like, whoa, 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 that's my, this is over here. You're over here, right? Now, but what's different about the picture in Proverbs 31 is, is that this woman takes the fear of the Lord, gets wisdom, and then applies it to every area of, of life. And that leads to her and those around her flourishing. Now, here's three things I want you to, to notice here. That God-fearing wisdom causes flourishing through excellence and diligence. Sorry, God-fearing wisdom causes flourishing through excellence and diligence. Now, wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. We see who God is. We see that he's made us to, to, to work and keep creation. He's made us to glorify him in our work. And if that's true, then, then whatever is set before us by God, we should do with excellence and diligence. First, diligence. Verse 15 says this, she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. So listen to this. Now, the picture probably is that Proverbs 31 is more of, it's a noble woman, right? So imagine like the modern day equivalent of like Downton Abbey or something. And so imagine if on Downton Abbey, one of the noble women who normally wake up at like, I don't even know, what are they waking up at? Like 10 a.m. or something? And then they have the servant come in with their little, their little tray and help them get dressed. Oh, this is so nice, you know? In Proverbs 31, I know some moms that are like, that sounds like a good Mother's Day to me. Like, now listen, this this. This woman has servants, but she rises before sunrise and she gets up to make coffee and breakfast for the family. And she has servants and she makes breakfast for the servants, right? Be like in Down Abbey, if one of them gets up at like 4.30 a.m. and by the time the, but the butler or whatever comes in, she's already making breakfast. She's like, hey, you guys want a cup of coffee? I'm, I'm, I'm making a breakfast burritos. She's attacking what God has given her with diligence. In verse 18, it says, her lamp does not go out at night. Meaning that not only does she wake up at like 4.30, she just works, you know, late through the night. She, one of the kids needs something, science project. She's pulling an all-nighter. 
Now listen, it's not possible to actually like be awake for more than 24 hours, multiple days in a row, as every mom of a newborn can tell you, right? It's just not physically possible. So, so what in the world is this getting at? Well, it's painting this idealized picture. She's up before anyone else. She goes to bed later than anyone else. Well, what's the picture? The picture is diligence. The picture is that whatever God's put in front of her, she's, she sacrifices even of herself in order to be diligent and faithful with that. It, this includes even looking ahead to winter in verse 21. She's not afraid of the snow because she's already gone to Costco and stocked up on winter clothes. This is a woman, Scripture's saying, that works well. She works hard. She works diligently. And we are called to do the same, to work hard, to work well, to work diligently at what God has set in front of us. But she also works with excellence across a wide range of life. In verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. And then in verse 19, she puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. I don't even know what a distaff is. I looked it up at one point and I've already forgotten. I didn't put it in my notes. It's like a thing for sewing, I guess. So she's making her own bed coverings in verse 22. And then in verse 24, she's like, so across this whole thing, she's sourcing her clothing, textile materials. She's looking at a, at a range of, 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 of all kinds of like stuff that she's making. She's marketing it to merchants in verse 24. And not only that, in verse 16, it says, she considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. So not only does she get the whole textile world, whatever, she also gets real estate and apparently knows how to farm, right? <laughs> now, listen, if this, were, this woman were real, she would own HGTV. There would be a channel for her. Now, ladies, is it really possible to be omnicompetent? No, no, it is not. This, this passage is not saying you must be able to do all of these things to be a real woman. Instead, here's the point. With whatever God has put in front of us, we should seek to grow in skill and excellence across a range of life. It doesn't mean that by next week you need to be able to sew your, your own clothing or churn your own butter or something. Um, what it does mean is, is rather than just being passive and going, ah, whatever, there's an active nature to this woman. She's, she's seeking to grow in her skill in various areas of life. So listen, with what God has set before you, are you seeking to grow in skill and excellence? Are you being diligent? Let me say a word to the moms here. So much of being a mom especially is just these tiny, small moments that seem like meaningless busy work, right? Doing laundry after yet another accident, um, going over basic addition again and again and again with one of your grade school kids, or trying to find another decent set of sheets because somebody's dog ruined the last one and your in-laws are coming to visit. All of this seems so small, but ladies, I want you to see this. Across the range of life, God sees it as valuable. E even the small moments of thinking ahead and thinking, do my kids have clothes for the winter? God sees it and rejoices in that. Even the small moments of, of, of putting Band-Aids on kids and trying to sew up somebody's favorite shirt or glue back together someone's favorite transformer, God sees. God sees it, ladies, and he rejoices. And this, this leads to the woman's home flourishing. 
I'm going to make a comment here, and I hope it's not misunderstood. Um, in the Garden of Eden, God gave Eve a unique task to join Adam in the garden by being his helper. This Hebrew word helper means someone who brings strength to where it's lacking. And then in Titus 2, the older women are encouraged to help the younger women learn to be busy at home. It doesn't mean they can't leave the house or they're under house arrest, but it it seems to imply that there's this unique role that wives have, that moms have, that only they can play, that when they apply their skill, their God-given skill to their home, they cause it to flourish in an utterly irreplaceable and unique way. And so much of our culture emphasizes women as being valuable and important if they matter beyond their home. Even if you're a stay-at-home mom, the emphasis can be, well, you're a stay-at-home mom, but you should have a great hobby, or you should have an awesome Etsy shop, or you should start an awesome blog, because notoriety and importance are out there somewhere. Or for those who do work, there's, there's a pull sometimes to find affirmation outside the home. And, and in contrast to, to the, your, your boss giving you a thumbs up and a pat on the back and a raise, your kids get home and they just destroy the house again. And nobody seems to appreciate what you do. And the point isn't how much you're working outside the home. That's different for each family and each situation. But the point is this, that that God wants to highlight that there is a unique flourishing that comes when the wife or the mom applies her strength to her home, causing it to flourish. See, she causes her husband to flourish early on. She says, it says the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. See, at our our church, we affirm that husbands have a God-given calling to shepherd and lead their families, but it doesn't mean that wives or moms are weak pushovers. Instead, wives are to be so capable that their husbands trust them with anything. And, And look at this. I love this, that the orientation of the wife is to be toward her husband, not away from him, not in competition with him, but it says that that she does him good and not harm all the days of his life. This is a beautiful picture, ladies, of somebody saying, Where can I bring strength to my family? Where do they need help? Where does he need help? And the result of her attention is that the husband flourishes. Did you know that you have a role, ladies, in helping your husband flourish in a way that that nobody else has that role in his life? And not only that, she causes her children to flourish. There's lots of implications of this, but she embraces her calling to care for them, even in practical things like the winter clothing and food to eat. And, and moms, I want you to see this. You have a unique role in helping your children flourish. And it is extremely valuable in the sight of the Lord. And what I love about this is that the mom takes this task up with creativity and fun and excellence. There's this little detail in verse 14. Maybe you didn't even catch this. This is a funny verse. It says, she's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. Now, I thought, what in the world does that mean? This is a reference probably to the meals or the food that the family would have on hand or the meals that she would make. Here's what it means. She goes and finds interesting and fun ingredients that take effort. Right now, listen, this is not a Martha Stewart guilt trip that you got to like go and, and make a quinoa, kale, superfood, salad, smoothie bar thing. I don't know. I'm just saying words now. Um, <laughs> this is not what this is. But, but it's the, it, what, what the point of it is, is that regardless of what food you make, God has designed women in a unique way that when they apply their creativity and fun and excellence to the home, it flourishes in a unique way. And it causes flourishing even beyond the home. 
Uh, in verse 20, it says, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hand to the needy. So rather than being too busy to help others, she's, she's active in finding and helping those in need. She moves toward them. And this can be physical need, like literally they don't have food or clothing, but it can be spiritual need too. I think women have, are designed by God in many cases to be uniquely sensitive and intuitive about the needs of others. Sometimes my wife picks up on things going on in someone's life that I would have never seen, right? So guys will be like, so how you doing, man? Well, yeah, pretty good. And then Jen will go, oh man, he's not doing well. Uh, babe, you need, to, you need to talk to him. And I'm like, you just said he was fine. What? You know? There's a, there's a unique role that I think women, or a unique ability women have often um, wired in by God to bring love and care to those in need. And I think that's beautiful. So the point is that women who fear the Lord get this wisdom and they apply it to all of life. Now, the first step is that obviously that they get this wisdom from the Lord. So this isn't just kind of doing all this external stuff in the hopes that you'll, you'll appear um, to be competent or, or, or noteworthy. Instead, you, you know the Lord, you're content with that. But then slowly, step by step, you apply this to other areas of life. Now, listen, I, I want to qualify this. You can't do everything. You just can't. No woman can do it all. I, I don't care who you are. Um, we're finite beings. And so in some ways, this, this passage is not a call to do everything. Instead, it's a passage to do a few things really well. To do some things, you have to not do other things. That was a, that was a profound statement right there, right? Aren't you glad you came to church? One of the best things you can do as a woman is not to try to do everything. Instead, God sets out some priorities for you that, that he says, listen, sit at my feet, seek me, love your husband, love your kids, and when you can, do it with fun and creativity and excellence. And, and, and ladies, you don't have to be on the cover of Shape magazine. Your recipes don't have to end up in Real Simple. That's not what God's calling you to do. Instead, he's just calling you to bit by bit, slowly by slowly, apply God-fearing wisdom to every, day, every area of life. Now, I want to illustrate this, but there's always a danger that when I use people in popular culture, um, there's just always, it's always dangerous to use pop culture. But I, I'm going to use this one because I think, I think it's good. Um, I, I read recently about this couple, Chip and Joanna Gaines, who apparently are the stars of some show on HGTV named Fixer Upper. And apparently it's adorable or so I've heard. Um, I'm just kidding. I've seen it too. It, it really is adorable. Um, <laughs> now, to a lot of ladies, um, Joanna Gaines just seems like one of those hero, do-it-all ladies, right? She, if anybody comes close to Proverbs 31, it seems like somebody like her. She has these adorable kids who always are cute, or if they're dirty, they're like cute dirty, right? My kids are not always cute dirty, but somehow hers are. And she has a great relationship with her husband. She has a successful store, a successful TV show. But what you may not know is that years before she had this famous show, she had a store, and she closed it down. This is what I read from the Billy Graham evangelistic website. She says this, or the, the, the writer says this, Chip married Joanna, and they were expecting their second child when they sensed God asking them to close their store, Magnolia Market, to focus on raising their children. Joanna remembers as though, as feeling as though her dream was dying as they closed up shop on the last day. But more vividly than her sadness, she remembers the peace she felt when God reminded her on that day to simply trust him with her dreams and with, with the store. 
She says this, God taught me to study the word and believe it even when it hadn't been fulfilled yet. I really had to cultivate a place of faith that I had never had before. I had to trust him as he would speak his promise to me. This trust brought peace. And although my circumstance hadn't reflected the promise, his word doesn't return void. God was working in my heart to establish deeper levels of trust that now I look back on and am thankful for. Our families made a commitment to put Christ first, a lifestyle our parents modeled for us well. They showed us how to keep our marriage and family centered around God. Now, you know the rest of the story is that years later, this opportunity came and, and provided a way that she could reopen the store but have money to pay people to run it and not have to be as involved. And listen, I'm, I'm not saying that if you trust the Lord with what he's calling you to do, you'll end up on HDTV, okay? That's the wrong takeaway. But I think the right takeaway is this. I, I love what she said, that what ultimately matters it's not whether you have a store open or closed. It's not whether you're working 50 hours or 20 hours. It's that you spend time with God and you apply the wisdom from your relationship with him to your life. Ladies, that, that's your calling. It's not to be Joanna Gaines. It's to apply that wisdom little by little to every area of life. Let me end with a third point because I think you need this. Um, third point is this. Praiseworthy women apply God-fearing wisdom to all of life in Christ. Now, I added that phrase in Christ, not just as a tack on, but because I think we need it with Proverbs 31. Because there's three quick things I want to show you. First is that even praiseworthy women need Jesus. There are probably areas of your life that as we went through Proverbs 31, you thought, well, I don't have that area, but at least that one, I, I do that one pretty well. What do you think you have more together than other people at your Thanksgiving table? What do you think you have more together than your friends on Facebook? What do you think you have more together than the other families at school? Because this is the reality, ladies. If this passage is wisdom applied to every area, all of us would have to admit that we have foolish areas and that we're not wise in everything. Friends, we've all been lazy. We've all been against our spouse instead of for them. We, we've all neglected our families at points. We've all not done good to the poor. Romans 3.10 says, none is righteous. No, not one. Each of us need Jesus. But not so praiseworthy women find help in Jesus. Maybe this passage hits you with a level of condemnation. Maybe you didn't need to come today and tell somebody and have somebody tell you you're falling short because you feel it every day. Maybe you feel every pile of dirty dishes in the sink. Every time your kid has a meltdown at Walmart. Every harsh word you tell your husband as soon as he comes in the door. Maybe they're quiet sins, like grumbling or gossip or discontent you're convicted of. Or maybe you feel, especially today, something really big. Maybe you feel like you failed in raising your child. Or maybe you remember ending a child's life through abortion. Maybe you feel like you've messed up and there's no hope to get back. Now, I want you to hear this. Over and over in the Gospels, Jesus does not move away from women in need. He moves toward them. Even when it wasn't culturally acceptable, Jesus moves toward the prostitute. He moves toward the woman who can't stop bleeding. He moves toward women with bad reputations. He moves toward women avoided by the world, but loved by God. And the hope of Romans 13 is this, for all have fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift 
through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Look, we don't have a righteousness of our own. We can't read Proverbs 31 and say, yes, that's me. I'm perfectly righteous, perfectly wise. No, none of us can say that. But instead, our trust is that Jesus was righteous for us, that he offered his life in our place, that he justified us. He made us right with God by dying in our place and for our sins. And this is by grace, not because we deserve it. Praiseworthy women don't rest in who they are, but in Christ. In Christ, ladies, you have a new identity. If you have repented and believed in Jesus, or if you will do that today, God doesn't see you through the lens of failure, of the piles of dirty dishes, or your private sins. God sees you through the lens of his son. He sees you as an adopted daughter, according to Galatians. God rejoices over you and delights in you. And if that's not you today, if you don't know whether God delights in you, friend, I want to encourage you to trust in Jesus Christ. Put your faith in him and not who you are. Believe in him, turn to follow him, and today you can be saved. And a final word as we end, two final words, one for single men, one for married men. The single men, listen to this. Mr. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, a 19th century British preacher, advises you today this way. Sensible men don't marry a wardrobe. They want a woman of sense, okay? Friends, we need this in our culture. There is so much external stuff in our culture. You you need to have a a girl that you would swipe right for. You need to have a girl whose Instagram you love to check out. You need to have a girl that looks good on your arm. Guys, that is stupid in light of Proverbs 31. You want a woman of sense. And you know how you find a woman of sense? Find a woman that fears the Lord. And married men, Praise this in your wife, would you? Your wife lives in a world where a naked picture of a vapid celebrity, quote, breaks the internet and then looks in the mirror and sighs. Your wife lives in a world where perfect Joanna Gaines redesigns houses, is always well-dressed with her adorable kids, and she sighs. Your wife lives in a world where she gets on Facebook and sees highlights from her best friends about their perfect kids or their amazing professional accomplishments while they're balancing a home life or how much rate her friends have lost and how fit and flexible they are and, and reads 10 tips she should have followed for a simple and fun Cinco de Mayo that makes memories forever and sighs. And brothers, the, the fruit of wisdom in her life seems small and not very impressive and she wonders often whether she should give up. Brother, one of the best gifts you can give your wife today is to encourage her to praise the right things in her, the things that God delights in and highlights. Do this today. Do this every day. Write her notes. Hold her hand and encourage her. Make a grand gesture. And I'll end with this. Mr. Spurgeon advises you, happy is the man who is happy in his wife. Let him love her as he loves himself and a little better, for she is his better half. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Knowledge is acquiring facts and information about a given subject. Wisdom is the proper application of facts and information. 
You know, it's one thing to know about something. It's a whole other thing to be able to properly utilize that thing. We all want wisdom. Wisdom is this wonderful gift that allows us to carefully and safely navigate through this life. In this eight-part series entitled Wisdom for Life, Pastor Ricky will explore what the book of Proverbs has to say about wisdom. For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. Again, that email address is radio at betternewsradio.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, our phone number is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. We also encourage you to follow the Better News Radio Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook again at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio.